just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is a Saturday and I am back in Minnesota. I got back into Minnesota by plane at about midnight. My wife picked me up. We got home about one. It is currently two in the morning. And I got to tell you, as much as I like traveling, I prefer traveling with my wife and she wasn't with me this time. Uh, but it's always good to be back home. And uh, it's early, early in the morning Saturday. And damn right, we're going to do a podcast. Why the hell not? People say, why do you do it even if it's so late? Well, I'm retired. So this podcast and the TikToks are essentially my job. And that's one thing about my job when I did it. I was never sick and I never was late because I have a commitment to doing the job. And as much as this is different than my job job, it's what I do now. So that's why I'm here. I had a good time in Las Vegas. I'm not a huge fan of gambling and Vegas in general, but I had a good time while I was there. We did a lot of stuff. Now, you remember in the previous podcast, I mentioned a woman who came up to me in the MGM Grand. Um, she recognized me from TikTok, was very polite, said hello. It was very flattering for me, and I hugged her, and uh, it was great. Never got her first name. Hopefully, I still will. But then yesterday, I'm walking around, getting ready to head back home, but the flight doesn't leave until 7, so it's in the early afternoon. And my brother and my nephew and I were walking into uh, Caesar's Palace, and we're just walking around, minding our own business. Another woman walks up to me, tugs on my shoulder, and said, Hey, you're on TikTok, right? I said, Wow, two in a row. That's pretty impressive. I said, Yes, I am. She said, I saw your video today, uh, the video I did where I talked about the woman who recognized me in the MGM Grand. And she said, If I see you, I was going to walk up to you. And I said, Well, I'm very glad you did. And I did something with her that I didn't do with the previous woman. I asked her name. She said her name was Gloria. Looks like she was there with her family. And uh, she gave me a big hug, and we went on our separate ways. Now, as I've said, this whole thing is very flattering. It's unexpected. Um, that's, you know, that's the one thing about TikTok, and even the podcast to a certain extent. Um, <clears throat> I will get accused by family members that you just do it because you like the adulation and and the people saying nice things about you. And I'll be honest with you. I'm a fucking normal human being. I like that. But that's not why I do it. That's I don't I, I don't do it specifically for that reason to build my ego. I don't need that. My ego's fucking big enough. But it's nice to do something that people appreciate and people see some value in. When I used to do traffic reports, I felt the same way because people would listen every day. They would get information. They would save time or avoid certain areas. I was actually doing them some good. 
So to do what I do on TikTok now and on the podcast, it's the same kind of thing. Hopefully I'm helping people out, maybe entertaining them, whatever. But it's one thing to do something you like to do, but if you can do some good in the process, it makes it so much more enjoyable and so much more rewarding as well. So you folks give me that when I do the Rational Boomer podcast and the TikToks, and I appreciate it so much. But again, I'm back in town, back in Minnesota, back with my regular system, and it's going to be a little easier to get this done. We're going to start it off with a um, an email, and this comes from a gentleman I don't think he's ever written before. He says, good morning, sir. I watch your videos when they come out and really enjoy them. You're informative and spot on. I watch tons of videos and news on Putin's fluffer. <laughs> I'm thinking he's talking about Trump. He has damaged our country and standing in the world. You do an awesome job. Keep up the good work and thank you. A huge fan, Michael. See, there you go. Uh, some adulation, some appreciation, and I appreciate that very much. But it doesn't go to my ego. It just gives me more motivation to continue doing what I'm doing. If I can do something I really enjoy that I get a lot out of, and then in turn somebody else does too, well, then I know I'm on the right track, and it's something I should do. I'm essentially retired. I don't make a lot of money doing podcasts or TikToks. I don't care. I'm doing it for myself. You know, all your life, people say, you know, I wish I didn't have to worry about money and I could just do what I wanted. Well, that's the position I find myself in. Now, don't don't get excited. I'm not uber wealthy and have all these things. That's not true. Uh, I have a pension. I have some other little bits of income. I'm not rich, but I'm comfortable. I pay my bills. I can do what I want to do, and that's all I need. So this gives me the opportunity to do what I want as opposed to what I think I need to do in order to keep the fucking lights on. And I'm so appreciative of that. This opportunity to start something with TikTok from zero and to get it to this point where I have the podcast, which was the ultimate goal, and just be able to do it and have enough people listening to make it worthwhile to continue doing. So again, anything I do on TikTok or, or the podcast is all contingent on you. If you're not there, I'm not doing it because there's no point. So again, I appreciate it very much. And Michael, thank you very much for the kind words. Uh, Don't be a stranger. Keep emailing. And I'll remind everybody too, especially this coming week. um, I'm looking to talk to more listeners. I do that on the show from time to time. I'll have Ed on next week, of course. But I'd like to talk to some more listeners. And if you have an interest in being on the show, very simple. All you have to do is email me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Say, Mike, I'd like to be on the show. You don't have to audition. There's no bullshit like that. Just tell me you want to be on, and we'll set it up. We'll set the timing up. I'll tell you how we, how we do it. It's very simple. And then we'll do the show. If ever after the show you don't feel comfortable with it, I don't have to run it. I probably will anyway, because every time I do one, they always turn out really well. But I want to encourage more folks to give me a call and come on the show. Even if you've been on the show before, I don't care. You all have some great insight, uh, great perception of things, and you're very knowledgeable. So you're a huge value to the show. 
All right, let's move on to uh, some of the news at hand. And there's a lot of it. I, You know, I hate to talk about this guy, but uh, he's already got more press than he deserves. <clears throat> but he's in a, a position that's kind of important to Democrats, and uh, we need to talk about it. This guy is a shit show that continues the shit show forever, it seems. The woman who alleged this week that Republican Senate nominee Herschel Walker urged her to get an abortion and paid for it in 2009 dropped yet another bombshell Friday when she told the New York Times that she also has a son, a living son, by Herschel Walker. But there's yet another bombshell over this. Apparently, he pushed her to have a second abortion. Now, whenever you hear Herschel Walker talk, it's just fucking ridiculous. He makes no sense. He can't complete a sentence. He's stuttering and stammering. He just, he's way over his head in this situation when he's up against the press. Now, the woman is an ex-girlfriend of Walker, says she rejected his request and had the child. Walker has campaigned on an aggressive anti-abortion stance as he seeks one of Georgia's Senate seats. He has been a minimal presence in their now 10-year-old son's life, but has acknowledged him through occasional gifts and child support payments, she said. So it isn't bad enough that he asked her to get a, an abortion the first time and paid for it, but then when he, she was pregnant again, um, he wanted her to get yet another abortion. <clears throat> you understand, Herschel, that if you get women multiple abortions, that could damage them forever. But, you know, of course, Herschel doesn't give a fuck about that. Now, you have a 10-year-old son by this woman, and he is obviously the apple of his mother's eye, his grandparents' eye. And you didn't care. Herschel didn't care at the time, and he was going to say, yeah, let's have an abortion. Now, here's the thing. Him asking a girlfriend or a wife to have an abortion and even paying for it, that's not against the law. That's not even out of the realm of decency. Well, I won't say decency. It's not decency, but there's nothing really wrong with him doing that except for the fact that he is running on an anti-abortion platform. And an anti-abortion platform for any reason, incest, rape, whatever. It's real easy for him to say that because he thinks he's going to get votes. But then in his real life, he's all about abortions. I mean, Herschel and I are about the same size. Or same size, no. Same age, okay? We're about the same age. And I got to tell you, 62 years old, I've never been in a situation where I asked a woman to get an abortion. Never. Never once. He's had it a minimum of two times, and I dare say there's probably more than that, because as Christian Walker said, instead of raising his kids, he was banging other women. You got to believe that there are some other abortions out there, and uh, they are ultimately going to get exposed. Now, the woman said, as a father, he has done nothing. 
She spoke on the condition of anonymity to protect her son's privacy, Told the, she told the Times. He does exactly what the courts say, and that's it. He has to be held responsible just like the rest of us. And if you're going to run for office, you need to own your life. The Times says it confirmed through custody records filed in New York Family Court that the former couple had a child together. It also corroborated her account of the 2009 abortion she had at Walker's urging which she revealed to the Daily Beast on Monday and interviewed a friend she confided in about Walker's request that she abort both pregnancies. Walker's campaign did not immediately respond to HuffPost's request for a comment on Friday's allegation, nor did it respond to repeated inquiries. Walker and his representatives firmly deny ever urging anyone to have an abortion, and called his ex-girlfriend's allegation a flat-out lie. Well, that's easy enough to prove. Walker also claimed to have no idea who the woman could possibly be. Yet, he has, she has her son, his son, and he pays uh, support payments to her. How is that possible? Now, speaking uh, to the press, the woman said she couldn't deal any longer with Walker's hypocrisy. The fact that I had a choice, now he's in public trying to say he wants to put a ban on abortion completely, she said. It's appalling to me. On the campaign trail, Walker, a former Heisman Trophy winner, has claimed to be opposed to abortion under all circumstances, even those that result from rape or incest or those needed to save the life of the mother. One of the most extreme stances espoused uh, by uh, any Republican candidate. He is probably the most stringent on it. His ex also criticized Walker's comments he made throughout his campaign, slamming, slamming absentee fathers. Walker, she told the Times, has seen the son they have together maybe three times. Yes, he's paying support, but he does have a lot of money, so that should be easy enough for him. But he can't make the time to go see his own son. I mean, this is how this fucker behaves. You know, he behaves like a spoiled athlete, which apparently he is, or a spoiled rock star, which he's not. But it's the same mindset, you know what I mean? I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want. I got a lot of money, so I'll pay the bills, but I'm not going to deal with that situation. It's, It's... Pretty fucking amazing to me. It's pretty fucking amazing. I got to think the Republicans are at a stage where they're just going to wash their hands of him. There's no way he can win the race, and every day it gets worse. We're in October, the early part of October right now, and I was telling my brother when we were in Las Las Vegas that uh, if we're looking at an October surprise, and this has come out already, I'm thinking there's something even bigger coming, something even more explosive to carry us into the midterms. This Senate seat's very important to the Democrats. We have uh, Warnock, Senator Warnock, in that seat, and we'd like to keep him there. We'd like to keep Georgia blue in terms of the Senate. We'd like Stacey Abrams to beat uh, um, the, the, the incumbent governor and become governor of the state. That's a little more sketchy. That's a little harder. But I'm keeping my fingers crossed for Stacy. So more stories come out about uh, Herschel Walker 
and I think even more are going to come out for him. We can keep the Georgia seat, win the Pennsylvania seat, win the Ohio seat. That's going to make a huge difference for Democrats over the next two years. We'll keep an eye on Herschel Walker. No doubt there's going to be more to the shit show as he keeps deciding to talk. I mean, like I said, this guy is over his head. He can't complete a sentence. You would think his people say, you know, Herschel, just step back. Don't talk about this. You're making it worse. But like Donald Trump, he can't help himself. He's got to talk. He thinks he's so smart, so persuasive that he can talk his way out of it. Well, Herschel, I'll tell you this. I've watched the last couple of statements that you've made. It ain't working. You're not doing too well here. We got another bit of interesting information. Um, Uvalde has suspended the entire police department. You remember the Uvalde shooting and all the controversy around the police reaction to it, but they've suspended the entire department. They said some things came up in the investigation that forced them to do that. Well, when I think about that Uvalde story and what happened there, how could it get any worse for fuck's sake? I mean, what could possibly be there that would make it worse? Well, clearly there's something there. And, you know, I was talking to my brother about this. Was it my brother? Yeah, it was my brother. And he came up with a theory. This, you know, nothing's ever been said about this. Uh, There's no verification of it. But you have to wonder why they've been so scared about giving out information and how they've been been so uh, quiet about everything. And here's my brother's theory. And sadly, it makes some sense. Again, I don't know that this is true. This is just theory. He's saying the reason they were quiet is because of when they went in that school, they ended up shooting one of the students accidentally. Not on purpose, accidentally. I thought, well, I don't know if that's possible, but it's conceivable. If they, in fact, did that, they'd certainly want to cover that up. Is that why they've been so quiet about it? Is that why they've been so evasive about this whole thing? And did they now find out that that was the case and that's why they suspended everybody? I I don't know. I guess we'll find out over time. We'll see what happened and we'll hear about it. And I'll be anxious to hear about it. The fact that all these children were killed unnecessarily is absolutely appalling and something needs to be done. Now, the question is, if you put all the policemen, police officers, I should say, on suspension, what's that do for protecting your community? And uh, the UCISD statement came out and said, we are confident that the staff and student safety will not be compromised during this transition. Now, they also, the, they also placed uh, Lieutenant Miguel Hernandez on administrative lead. Hernandez had taken over as the UCISD, the Uvalde Police Department, Uvalde School Police Department. Um, he'd taken over as the police chief a month after the deadly shooting when his predecessor, Pete Arandondo, was himself placed on administrative leave. 
Arredondo was ultimately fired for how long it took officers to confront the gunman who killed 19 young children and two adults at Rob Elementary on May 24th. Now, Ken Muller, the district's director of student service, was also placed on leave but elected to retire instead, the UCISD said Friday. The district said it's still cooperating with two investigations into the shooting's response, one by a team of private investigators the district hired and one by the Texas Police Chiefs Association. Aside from saying it had recently developed additional concerns, the UCISD didn't provide any information about what led to Friday's decision. Police in Uvalde have come under immense scrutiny for their response to the Robb Elementary shooting. Surveillance footage from the day revealed that after officers arrived on the scene, they did not break into the classroom where the shooter had stationed himself until an hour and 14 minutes had passed. The Texas Department of Public Safety has laid much of the blame on Arredondo. Well, of course, he's gone now. Got to blame somebody. But there is no doubt blame to be placed elsewhere as well. The school police, uh, Arredondo, the school police chief at the time, who acted as the on-scene commander during the massacre. The department says Arredondo erroneously, erroneously told officers to treat the situation as a barricaded gunman, which calls for a slower response process when they should have categorized it as an active shooter situation and move much more quickly. I don't know how one makes that mistake unless for some reason they thought there were no kids in that room. But it is a school, it is a classroom, and he was locked in this classroom. This poor decision-making cost the lives of 19 children and two adults. It is pretty amazing that you have a gunman locked in a room with a bunch of kids and a couple of adults, and you just say, let's hold back and see what happens. That's not how you fucking do it. You go in there and try to save as many lives as you possibly can. But that's not what he did. Again, it goes back to now they've all of a sudden suspended all these police officers, the entire police department, because something came up in the investigation, but we don't know what it is. I gave you the theory my brother gave me, and there's no reason to believe that theory. It just kind of makes sense. It kind of explains why they've been so secretive about everything, and it was so hard to get any information out of them. But we don't know that's true. There could be any number of other things. But I think ultimately it's important that the people of Uvalde and all of us throughout the country understand what broke down. It cost the lives of 19 children and two adults. There was a breakdown. There was a failure there. And we need to know what it is, if for no other reason than to try to avoid that problem again. I can't imagine what it's like to be a parent in Uvalde, to have a child murdered by a shooter, but additionally find out that the police were there well in advance of these kids dying and did absolutely nothing. There's certainly going to be some lawsuits. There's certainly some angry and very saddened people. And I think all of us in this country, when we watch this thing play out after the fact, it is maddening to be sure. 
but it's also very sad. I can't imagine what it would be like to lose a child, especially in this way. It's very frustrating. You know, I I talked about yesterday being in Las Vegas, a short distance away from some guy deciding to pull a knife and 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 stab uh, some of these women that were in Las Vegas dressed as showgirls taking pictures and all that sort of thing and who else who else was there I don't know we don't know the specifics of those people that were the victims but we do know eight of them were injured two people died just because this guy lost his shit and decided to start stabbing people now I'm going to tell you something about this guy I I, I saw his name but I don't remember what the name is but the important point here is now they're saying he was an illegal alien he was in this country illegally so now you know what the republicans are going to do oh it's joe biden's fault joe biden basically killed these people in vegas shut the fuck up i'm tired about hearing about the border the border is no worse than it was with donald trump or barack obama or george w bush The border is a problem that nobody has an answer to. All you can do is manage it. And to be perfectly honest with you, in spite of what the Republicans say, Joe Biden and the Democrats are doing a decent job comparatively to handling the border. There are times when tens of thousands of people come to the border. There are a lot of people brought into this country that are looking for legal asylum, and they are entitled to come in to seek legal asylum. You can't turn them away. That's just the way we do business. Now, there are some illegal aliens that get in, and who knows how they get in. They could come any number of ways. They could come across the Texas border. They could come other ways. They could come through Miami. They could come through any number of ways. It's a problem that's very hard to deal with. And the fact that we have an illegal alien that goes to Las Vegas and stabs all these people isn't an immigration thing as much as it is the climate or the atmosphere of this country. There's a lot of anger in this country. There's a lot of violence in this country. I hear stories about the airport. I hear stories about schools. And people just become unhinged. They have this entitled feeling where everybody should focus on them and do what they want. And when that doesn't happen, they get upset, they get angry, and sometimes they get violent. The other aspect is something I brought up yesterday. It's about mental illness in the country. As I told you, um, Ronald Reagan back in the 80s uh, defunded all the mental health care. So now these people that have been being taken care of in institutions and such, were sent out in the streets. They were absolutely sent out in the streets without any kind of care or any kind of restrictions. Well, of course, that increased homelessness and that increased more violence on the street. That happened in the 80s with Ronald Reagan. Now, you can't blame the Republicans wholly for that. Because between Ronald Reagan and now um, Joe Biden, there have been Democratic uh, administrations and times when the Democrats have had the power. They could have switched that. They could have changed that. As well as they could have codified 
uh, Roe v. Wade when they had an opportunity, but they didn't. And see, this is where the problem lies. I'm not talking about Republicans or Democrats. I'm talking about politicians in general. If they aren't forced into doing something, if they don't feel pressure, they're not going to do it. And then they'll look back years later and go, whoops, we should have done that. So the onus is on us. We've got to apply the pressure, keep the pressure on, and increase the pressure if we have to by asking the right questions, by publicizing the information, and keep it in the narrative. Take a note from the Republicans. Keep talking loud and proud so these people have to address this issue, whether they be Democrat or Republican. We have a serious problem in this country. We have a problem with guns, of course, but the guy in Las Vegas was knives. That's a different situation. But he's still somebody who's probably mentally unstable, He has a weapon, a knife, and he did did horrific damage to a number of people. He wreaked havoc on that part of of town in Las Vegas. Like I said, it was about a block and a half. I had no idea it happened until I got a notification on my phone. But here's what troubles me about that thing in Las Vegas. I'm a block and a half away. Guy walks into a Uvalde school. A guy sets up at the Mirage Hotel and starts shooting concert goers. This seems so random, meaning it could crop up anywhere for any reason, which means each one of us, every time we're not involved in something like that or affected by something like that, we're simply lucky. There is no reason in the world you and I shouldn't be able to walk anywhere with with. Uh, without any fear, fear of somebody losing their shit, pulling out a gun, shooting people, or stabbing people. This isn't a political problem. This is a climate of the country, and we have to figure out a way to fix this stuff, either by law enforcement or just cultural change. I don't know. But none of that happens overnight, and while we're waiting for that to happen, assuming they start to make the change, We're all at risk. And that's fucked up as far as I'm concerned. I'm not even worried about me as much as I'm worried about my kids or your kids or my grandkids. You know, my granddaughter's two and a half years old. In about three years, she'll go to school. Now, all of a sudden, I'm going to be worried about that, too. It's not that she goes to a school in a bad area. Clearly, that doesn't matter. This can happen fucking anywhere. And this is a very serious problem that we need to address. I'm not smart enough to know all the things we need to do, but clearly we need to fucking do something. All right, let's take a quick break and we will be right back. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, good old Fonnie Willis down in Georgia starting to mix it up again. I love this woman. She obviously doesn't give a shit about anything but getting to the bottom of the problem. And they've got some problems down in Georgia 
with Donald Trump's attempt to overthrow the government. This is heating up a little bit. The Georgia prosecutor investigating whether then-President Donald Trump and others illegally tried to interfere in the 2020 election filed paperwork on Friday seeking to compel testimony from a new batch of Trump allies, including former U.S. House Speaker Newt Gingrich and former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. Well, that should be interesting. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis filed petitions seeking to have Gingrich and Flynn, as well as former White House lawyer Eric Hirschman and others, testify next month before a special grand jury that's been seated to aid her investigation. Now, they join a string of other high-profile Trump allies and advisors who have been called to testify in the probe. Rudy Giuliani, former New York mayor and Trump attorney, who's been told he could face criminal charges in the probe. He testified in August. U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham's attempt to fight his subpoena is pending in a federal appeals court, but he won't win that one, and he will have to testify. Flynn did not immediately respond to the email and phone messages seeking comment, and his lawyer also did not immediately return an email seeking comment. Gingrich referred questions to his attorney, who did not immediately respond to a text message seeking comment. Hirschman could not immediately be reached for comment. But they are all going to show up, and in fact, I think uh, Hirschman will probably show up without a problem. He's already given some testimony and he's already talked to some people and been in the media. Willis has said she uh, she plans to take a month-long break from public activity in the case leading up to the November midterm election, which is one month from Saturday. Each of the petitions filed Friday seeks to have the potential witness appear in November after the election, but the process for securing testimony from out-of-state witnesses sometimes takes a while, so it appears Willis is putting the, um, the wheels in motion, as it were, for uh, the activity to resume after her self-imposed pause. It's not unusual for her to pause during an election. That's just probably the best thing to do, and whatever happens there isn't going to make things any worse for the Republicans come the midterms, so we're not missing anything with that. After the midterms, assuming... Uh, Democrats maintain control in both the House and the Senate. It's just going to make it that much worse for these people that may want to try to avoid testifying. When she wants to compel testimony from witnesses who don't live in Georgia, Willis has to use a process that involves getting judges in the states where they live to order them to appear. The petitions she filed Friday are essentially precursors to subpoenas. Fulton County Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney, who's overseeing the special grand jury, signed off on the petitions, certifying that each person whose testimony is sought is necessary and material witnesses for the investigation. The petition for Gingrich testimony relies on information made publicly available by the U.S. House Committee that's investigating the insurrection. It says he was involved, along with others associated with the Trump campaign, in a plan to run 
television ads that repeated and relied upon false claims about fraud in the 2020 election and encouraged members of the public to contact state officials to push them to challenge and overturn the election results based on those claims. Fucking Gingrich should just kept his nose out of it. He's going to have problems like he never had before. Gingrich wrote an email to people associated with the Trump campaign that said the goal is to arouse the country's anger through new verifiable information the American people have never seen before. We have yet to see that evidence doesn't exist. It's not only stuff we've never seen before. It's stuff we haven't seen to this fucking day. And uh, he went on to say that would lead them to vote, uh, lead them to pressure state lawmakers and governors, which was the goal. Gingrich was also involved in a plan to have Republican fake electors sign certificates falsely stating that Trump had won the state and that they were the state's official electors, even though Democrat Joe Biden had won. Uh, You know that that fake elector things? That's going to be a big problem for a lot of people. Those fake electors just thought they were doing the right thing. They're just normal people. They're going to probably go to jail over this. Uh, Newt Gingrich, who's been retired for some time, who should have kept his nose out of this bullshit, is going to find himself under the microscope, and he's going to have some problems. This whole fake elector thing, it didn't get a lot of press at first. I mean, it did, but there were so many other things that were worrisome and possibly illegal, we kind of glossed over it. Let me tell you something about these uh, fake electors. It's not going to get glossed over. There's going to be a lot of people that go down for this, and it's going to be a huge problem for Republicans. All right. There could be vast implications of a bombshell Rolling Stone magazine published Friday, according to some legal experts. The magazine reported Federal Bureau of Investigation agents have questioned witnesses about whether government documents could be still located at Trump Tower and maybe in uh, Bedminster. I mean, this is something we've talked about here. This is something a lot of people have questioned. Sure, you go search Mar-a-Lago, but what about these other places? We know he carted these boxes of documents all around. I'm surprised it's taken this long to get people to think, you know, he might have them in other places. I suppose the fact that the National Archives said, I think he still has more, maybe opened up the eyes of some people, and that's why they're looking at it. The FBI, according to these sources, had also asked in recent months whether the ex-president had a habit of transporting classified documents from his Florida state, Mar-a-Lago, to other Trump properties. The Fed specifically discussed both the New York City and Bedminster locations with certain witnesses. A source said it was obvious they wanted to know if this went beyond just Mar-a-Lago. Well, you can assume it did. Fuck. I don't know why this is so hard to understand. Legal experts quickly offered this analysis. Holy moly, treated, uh, tweeted MSNBC legal analyst Lisa Rubin. Former federal prosecutor Renato Mariotti said the point of asking those questions would be to develop the probable cause needed to obtain search warrants of Trump Tower and Trump's bed, Mr. 
residence. Trump summers at Bedminster while wintering in Florida at Mar-a-Lago. Conservative attorney George Conway wrote, A quick observation. DOJ wouldn't be asking witnesses about an imaginary non-existent declassification order unless they were putting together a criminal case against the person who fabricated on, a, on MSNBC's The Katie Fang Show, a former federal prosecutor, Glenn Kirshner, like him a lot, referred to Trump as a classified documents terrorist. Now, while uh, Marco Rubio would say, well, it's just a matter, matter of a storage problem. Yeah, fuck you, Marco. You don't know shit, and you're probably going to be on the hook for some things, too. The evidence there tenfold, he said. It's time to really step up and enforce the laws against Donald Trump the way they would enforce against any mere mortal. According to a new book that documents how the Republican Party leadership worked behind the scenes with Donald Trump's legal team during both of his impeachment, Politico's Rachel Blade and Washington Post's uh, Karun Demirjian reports that Senator Ted Cruz warned his GOP colleagues that there was no doubt by anyone in the Senate that the former president had engaged in at least one impeachable offense. In the book, Unchecked, the Untold Story Behind Congress, uh, Congress's botched impeachments of Donald Trump, um, Demirjian documents GOP squabbles behind the scenes over defense strategies with Senator Lindsey Graham, who once stormed out exclaiming, we are fucked, we are fucked. And he was right. But somehow he still supports Donald Trump. Now, in his recent report on the behind-the-scenes look, um, HuffPost Igor Bobic writes that during Trump's first trial over a quid pro quo phone call to Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky seeking dirt on Joe Biden right before the 2020 presidential election, Republican senators battled over strategy and fought over a proposal from Attorney Alan Dershowitz. Now, according to HuffPost, former law professor Alan Dershowitz, Jeffrey Epstein's buddy, a lawyer for Trump, went so far as to argue before the entire Senate that Trump could have done whatever he wanted to get himself reelected if he believed that his own reelection would be in the public interest, a sweeping claim of executive power, a proposal that alarmed a number of Republican senators who sat in the chambers for weeks as jurors in the impeachment trial. Now, after Senator Roy Blunt insisted Trump's legal team fired Dershowitz immediately, Ted Cruz suggested it was time to change tactics while advising his colleagues that there was a universal belief in the Senate that Trump was guilty. Now, according to the book, Cruz told his colleagues, out of 100 senators, you have zero who believe that there was no quid pro quo. None. There's not a single one. A confession which Bobick, or Bobick, adds was contrary to what Republicans were saying in interviews at the time during the impeachment trial. So you see what that does. These guys aren't stupid. They um, they come out on TV and say, he's not guilty, it's not fair, we're not doing this, we're not voting to take him out of office. In spite of the fact that all 100 senators knew he was guilty. 
instead of taking him out of office and saving this country problems, they decided to try to keep him in there in order to make their chances of winning an election better. That's the kind of people we're dealing with. We talk about lack of credibility and integrity in uh, the Supreme Court. Well, I'll tell you what, we've got similar problems in the U.S. Senate and probably the fucking House, too. This is the problem in this country. Nobody does anything that's right. They only do those things that benefit them or their party or what have you. And the thing about it is they play these games. They do whatever the fuck they want to do. And they benefit from it. They make money. They get power. They get votes. But what do we get? We get jack. We get shit on over and over and over again. For six years, the Republican Party has been shitting on the American public, giving money to the rich, taking money from the middle class, denying us anything, whether it be the Build Back Better deal or trying to get rid of ACA. These Republicans are in office for one reason, to serve the public, the people that voted for them, to take care of them, to make sure this country runs properly. And what have they done? They've done zero. They've done less than zero because as well as they've not come up with any uh, any policies to put forth, they've done everything they can do to obstruct the Democrats so the Democrats don't look better. And have a chance to win the election. See, they've got the ideology here all wrong. They've decided we're going to do nothing and we're going to obstruct everything that the Democrats do. I got a better idea. How about you come up with some policies or plans that are better than the Democrats and try to sell those instead of just trying to be obstructive? I mean, it would be better for the people of this country to actually have something done for them. Joe Biden's trying to do that. Fact is, for the first two years of his presidency, he's probably had more legislative successes than any president in history. And that's in spite of the fact that the Republicans are doing everything they can to stop the Democrats from accomplishing anything. Now, they've not been very successful at that. But you know what? They have had some success. We wanted to see the Build Back Better bill passed, right? And they shot it down. Yes, we did get some pieces of the Build Back Better deal in the Inflation Reduction Act, but not all of them. If you're going to pass these few, why not pass all of them? The only thing it's going to do is help the American public. And they keep saying, well, it's just going to raise taxes. It's going to cost us money we don't have. It's funny, when you gave $2 trillion to the rich people, you didn't say we couldn't afford that. And to suggest we can't afford Build Back Better or any of these other bills that have been shut down by the Republicans, that's ridiculous. We can afford it. And all we have to do is make sure the rich and the corporations pay their fair share. We're not talking about them paying more. We're not talking about them paying some exorbitant percentage in taxes. We're just talking about them paying fucking something as opposed to zero. And if we can get it above zero, is it too much to ask that they pay their fair share? They have the benefit of being in this country just like we do. 
They have the opportunity to make money just like we do. But if I make money in any way, any shape or form, I got to pay taxes on it. I'm not bitching about that. That's just life. That's the way it works. But somehow the wealthy, the corporations and the politicians that serve them think they should get away with nothing. And this just not acceptable, just not acceptable. So we know we've got these uh, hearings going on about these seditious conspirators, oath keepers, and some proud boys as well. Well, the oath keepers aren't looking too good in this trial. And just to make it worse, the former wife of Oath Keepers founder Stuart Rhodes detailed how her ex-husband became a brown shirt for Trump in a new interview with the Daily Beast. Tasha Adams spoke from her home in Montana as Rhodes is being held in jail on seditious conspiracy charges. Adams first began dating Rhodes in Las Vegas in 1991. Rhodes treated her like an ATM, the Beast reported. Adams says he pressured her to turn over her college fund of $4,600 so he could buy a 1967 red Camaro convertible after totaling his own car. What a sweetheart. She recalled thinking he was acting like a pimp when he would grab money from her after, after he pressured her to become a stripper. Oh, this is a thoughtful guy. Adams said Rhodes was worried Y2K was going to be a disaster and bought a trailer, stuffing it with tons of food, clothing, weapons, and fuel. And guess what? He was wrong a fucking get. You would think when you're wrong at that level, you might think twice the next time you make some crazy decision. But not Rhodes. Rhodes then attended Yale Law School before founding the Oath Keepers after Barack Obama was sworn in as president in 2009. As I said before, all the things we are seeing somehow feels like payback for us having the audacity to elect a black president. Soon, Oath Keepers' dues were rolling in directly to Rhodes, says Adams, who spent freely on custom weapons, expensive clothing, over 100 pairs of shoes, $100 steak dinners at the Denver airport. Adams also claims that Rhodes dropped dues money on hookers, and about $65,000 to sponsor Jeffrey Earnhardt in NASCAR races. Meanwhile, he and her, or she and her six children ate dehydrated apple slices and canned oatmeal. Oh, this guy's a special kind of piece of shit, isn't he? But are we surprised? This guy is so arrogant and so stupid... He still thinks he's right. He's on trial. The evidence is being put in front of him, and he still thinks he's right. When he gets put in jail, which he most certainly will, he will think he's right. As I said yesterday, there's one of these uh, people, I think it was a proud boy, that pled out to seditious conspiracy. And that's going to pose a problem for the likes of Stuart Rhodes and the Oath Keepers. If you have one person who is guilty of seditious conspiracy... There's got to be more. That's the whole point of conspirators. There's got to be more than one. And uh, they have a lot of evidence against these fucking clowns. Text message, emails, radio traffic, fucking interviews that they did. They're so stupid they did interviews. So it's going to be very interesting, as I said before. We need to watch very closely 
what's going on with this trial, because this trial will have a significant impact on what happens to sitting members of Congress, to former members of White House staff, to Ginny Thomas, for that matter. It's going to affect all those things, so we got to keep that in mind. Now, speaking about the insurrectionists, I find this an interesting story. It's not a big story, but it's interesting. Apparently, dozens of individuals held in Washington, D.C.'s jail on charges related to January 6th, the 2020 insurrection, have submitted a handwritten letter to a federal court demanding to be moved to Guantanamo Bay. (laughs) Okay, sounds good to me. I'll sign off on that shit. The detainees say they're living in inhumane conditions. Well... Apparently, they don't understand that uh, prison isn't like a country club. Prison is unpleasant for a reason, because it's fucking punishment. But apparently, they say it's so bad and so terrible, they'd rather be sent to Guantanamo Bay. Do they really mean that? They don't know fuck all about Guantanamo Bay. They're trying to make a point and try to embarrass people. I'd rather go to Guantanamo Bay than be in these fucking jails. You think that's going to work? Dude, you're fucking convicts. Nobody gives a fuck what you say. Write all the letters you want, but you're still a fucking convict. You don't have a lot of sway with the U.S. government. Now, the seven-page letter reviewed by NPR is signed by 34 defendants and was submitted as part of a response to the government for its denial of alleged Capitol rioter Ryan Nichols' pretrial release. Nichols is facing multiple charges related to his alleged participation in the insurrection. The individuals who signed off of the letter include David Dempsey, who allegedly used chemical spray as well as a crutch and a metal pole to attack police officers guarding the Capitol building, and Ronald Sandlin, who was accused of assaulting police on two separate occasions inside the U.S. Capitol. The detainees list several issues. The conditions alleged include no religious services or visitations. Oh, my God. They also talk about black mold and worms on the jail walls and in the food, abuse by the guards and vaccine requirements for visits and other services. Now, wait a minute. You're complaining about vaccine requirements for visits or other services, but you just said that there are no visitations. I don't know. I'm having trouble understanding that. They also say their clothing sent to laundry is returned covered in in brown stains, pubic hair, or reeking of ripe urine. (laughs) As opposed to unripe urine? I I don't know what the difference is there. Urine is urine, for fuck's sake. And they say they lost eyesight and hair because of malnourishment. In contrast, the letter says that Guantanamo Bay actually provides nutritional meals, routine sunlight exposure, top-notch medical care, is respectful of religious requirements, has centers for exercise, entertainment for its detainees, despite the fact that those residents are malicious terrorists. I love this. Oh, (laughs) the prison. It's not very comfortable. These are guys that are supposed to be tough guys. 
And they're so tough that they apparently can't hack prison. Well, what did Tony Beretta say? Remember the TV show back in the 70s? Robert Blake, good show too. He says, don't do the crime if you can't do the time. You tried to mount a coup against this country. I'm thinking that you're probably being treated too well for the crimes you committed. You should be lucky. You should feel lucky that you're still a fucking live. I got to think there's some people in that prison that maybe look down their nose at you, especially now that you're whining about the uh, conditions. That letter's not going to go anywhere. Nobody's going to fucking do anything. They certainly aren't going to transfer him down to Guantanamo. That's a that's an entirely different fucking jurisdiction. That's more military than it is legal. So they're not going to do that. But they're trying to make a point. They're trying to throw this out there in hopes it's going to embarrass the legal people of this country. And it's not. They're not. You know, they're fucking convicts. Who gives a shit what they say? The Department of Corrections for Washington didn't immediately respond to NPR's request for comment on the allegations. In November 2021, the district entered into agreement with the federal government to improve conditions at the D.C. jail, according to a local report. This followed federal inspections that showed serious issues at the jail and led to the removal of 400 inmates to another facility. So this place probably isn't the best place. But but this has obviously been going on for some time. We haven't heard about it before because they aren't high profile like these insurrectionists. There's other people in jail, if what they're saying is true, has been suffering through this for decades. Clearly there were some issues because they were told to change things up. Now, I wouldn't at all be surprised if the conditions are horrible at this D.C. prison. But so the fuck what? You tried to destroy this country. If this were a hundred years ago, you'd be put in front of a fucking brick wall and shot. You're lucky you're still alive just by virtue of when you grew up. But these guys are whining. Nothing's going to come out of it. They aren't going to get transferred. And they what they basically did was they knew about these circumstances after they got in there. So they're trying to hype that up and get that going crazy. Uh, hopefully it'll get them somewhere. But you know what? You insurrectionists had your day on January 6, 2021. Your day is done. You're in prison. You're now inconsequential. We don't give two fucks what you think or two fucks what you do. Complain and cry and do whatever the fuck you want. You're convicts. You're in fucking jail. You stay in jail until such time that you're released. And I don't want to hear about your whining because nobody fucking cares. And if you are miserable and suffering, I'm all for it. You should be for the crimes you committed. It's absolutely ridiculous that it took as long as it did to get you convicted and put in jail. And now you're trying to tell us, well, it's it's not as nice as I'd hoped. <laughs> Too fucking bad. Do your time, bitch, and then maybe learn a lesson. All right, we are going to wrap things up for yet another Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking time to sit down and listen to the podcast. 
I hope you have a great day, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.